You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Are you kidding me? You are looking Winning cures everything. Now for your hosts, Gary and Chris. Welcome in, Winning Cures Everything. It is the Monday, June 14th edition of the show. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And, of course, again, audio-only podcast. It feels like the good old days. I feel more in my element when people cannot see me. I think that's uh, I think that's my best way of going forward. You kind of feel the same, Chris? Yeah, I agree. When you shared a clip of our show out on Twitter, <laughs> it had video on it, though, and I wasn't prepared for that last week. So, so I'm doing that more as a highlight thing because on Twitter, yeah. the videos get more views, they get more, I uh, more clicks. But and you got to let you got to let a brother know so I can actually have lights on and and halfway look decent. Well, so here's you see what I look like today. Right? Well, that's <laughs> irrelevant. What you look like, you know what you're doing. You're cognitive of what's going to happen with the feed. I am not. I'm just a dancing monkey. I come on, the light turns on, I talk, I turn it off, and I go back downstairs and go back to my life. I can I can understand where you're coming from. So I will try and do a better job of letting you well, I mean, now you know. Like now you well, know now what's I'm, up. So now I, I know. I turned the light on today. I took a shower before here. So so here's I just got in from the yard. So, so yeah. here's what I do. I record every show on video. Even though we're doing the audio only podcast, because if anything happens with the memory card uh, I, I don't, that we're I don't recording care audio, you have the video. I trust so, you. We've been doing this for what five, six years now. Yeah, it's I, been a while. I'm not worried about that. If you're gonna share it out after you told me we're not sharing this video out, <laughs> you got to tell me. <laughs> so those videos are only the highlight videos. Um, it, we might get to a point where we put it up and like, you know, only the people that are subscribed to the channel can can watch it on YouTube or something like that. I think there's a way to do that, uh, but I'll we'll have to see. So you'll have to actually subscribe to be able to see it, but we'll figure it out. Right now, podcast only. That's what we're doing. Podcast only on Mondays and Fridays and Tuesday evening or afternoon live show. That is the way it's going to be going forward. We're not going to change this even during the season. So uh, so anybody that hasn't subscribed, go ahead and do that. Let's start off today's show with this thing before we get into the rundown and uh, everything that you need to do. I want to start off with this. Uh, Kyler Murray 
this story cracked me up at, to no end, man. So there was uh, apparently he was interviewed by Sports Illustrated for the Phase Clan. It's a professional esports and entertainment organization based in L.A. He was asked about his favorite team growing up. Now remember, Kyler Murray was it, like he went to high school in Allen, Texas. He was born in Bedford, Texas. Like he's basically right down the street from the Dallas Cowboys. They asked him about his favorite uh, team growing up, and he said, they asked if he was a Cowboys fan. He said, fuck no. He said, absolutely not. He said, they were always ass. And, uh, and he said that he was a Minnesota Vikings fan growing up. I thought it was great. Like he, So he was born in 97. I, I am a little bit shocked that like the best Cowboys team that he ever saw live was 2007 the team went 13 and 3 he was 10 years old 10 years old he has never seen a good cowboy like a really good cowboys team yeah gary we're old they've been <laughs> bad for a long time it's unbelievable to me like that is america's franchise is I would what they bet, say no america's no it's team. not america's franchise that's the problem it was in the 80s and the 90s yes in the 70s and the 60s I'm, I'm telling you, 80% of the people watching this right now have no clue that the Cowboys were. They know about it because they understand the history of sports, but they've never seen it in their life, and they don't understand how people see that as America's team. It's crazy. They just don't. Marketing is different now. There was a day and a time where if you were the quarterback of the Cowboys, you were more marketable than any other player. That's just not so now. It's just not. Yeah. Now you're right. You're right. Uh, if he, you're a great quarterback, it doesn't matter if you play in Green Bay or Arizona or, or, or Tampa Seattle. Bay. You you can be marketable anywhere. We live in a yeah. global society today. It's uh, the same thing with because everybody always talks about oh if you, you got to play for the Giants, you got to play for the Cowboys, you got to yep. play for whatever. And same thing in the NBA. Oh, you got to play for the Knicks or you got to play for the Lakers or whatever. No, no. Giannis Antetokounmpo is fine playing for the Milwaukee Bucks. Everybody right. knows who he is. It's no problem. So, yeah, it cracked me up. Him saying that the Vikings were his favorite team kind of shocked me until I thought about the fact that it was, you know, it had to be the Randy Moss, uh, Dante Culpepper, or, uh, uh, God, who was the quarterback before that? No, um, no, no. I think those guys are, are just about done in Minnesota before he started paying, paying attention to football, too. And so, at like 2000. When did Dante Culpepper finish his career? Uh, I'm going to look that up in right Minnesota. Now. So I, I would say that, it, so he was nine years old in like 2006. So let's see when Dante Culpepper played for the Vikings. Uh, you might be I right. I think before, Culpepper. Uh, this before, yeah. that was before that. Dante right, so, Culpepper was not, was not the quarterback in so 2006. He, he would have been young. Uh, no, yeah. 2005 was Culpepper's last year. So he was, uh, eight years old at that time. So I can't, I can't explain the Vikings outside of the fact that, I mean, he's just got good taste in colors. He liked the color purple. That's great. Um, but other than that, like, there's there's nothing else that can equate that to. They weren't great back then. Maybe he was. Maybe he was a glowing up. Maybe he was a huge Jim Peterson fan. I don't know. That's entirely possible. Uh, let's see. Tavares Jackson was the quarterback in 2007. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Congratulations. Uh, who, knows? who knows? But the, the those days, like if if it was from when he was super young, then Culpepper and Moss that that would make sense for him. So. But it's but it, but it's not when he was super young though. That just nobody. No. What, what's just, the age that they say like you you generate your fandom the most is like what twelve to 
Yeah, I would say that. Like, like, like I fell in love with the Red Sox really early, but that was a very unique thing. And then I didn't know anything about any other sports team at all until I was, you know, 10 to 13. That, that tends to make sense. That tends to make sense. Now, at mine, I mean, obviously, I was young, like really young. So, you know, but that was all family stuff. So, it is what it is. Uh, before we go further, everybody check out winningcureseverything.com. That's the website. Forgot to do this at the beginning. Um, sbrpicks.com slash NCAAF, our college football show over with Sportsbook Review. Comes out every Wednesday. You can find it on YouTube. Search out SBR Picks. That is your one-stop shop. If you have not already, of course, subscribe to the podcast and review it wherever you get it, whether it's Spotify or Apple or whatever. I think on Spotify it's a follow, I think, and I think there's a way to review on there. I don't know. But either way, Apple Podcast is still by far uh, our most listened to medium. So if you would so kindly leave a nice review, share the show out, tell your friends about it, and, uh, and make us seem cool. We would certainly appreciate that. The, uh, the biggest story that happened over the weekend was uh, Christian Erickson, the Denmark midfielder, um, collapsed on the field Saturday morning in a game. And you want to talk about scary. Like, I had just turned on the TV and was able to see it. Like, I, I had no idea what was going on. I turned it on. I see, like, it, people are freaking out a little bit. It, it seems like some people in the crowd really didn't have any idea what was going on. And then you see all these people huddled around somebody. I I mean, I, I flipped it off after, you know, five, ten minutes because I couldn't figure out what was going on. And, you know, I had the sound down, um, but I, I could not figure out what was happening. And the doctors have come out and said that he was, uh, quote, gone. He was resuscitated after suffering a cardiac arrest. Um, now, we, we had this happen in a college basketball game. Uh, what's the guy's name? Keontae Johnson, I think it was, uh, for Florida. This happened, you know, at the beginning of the college basketball season. I... This stuff is terrifying. Um, you know, the, the doctor's name, Morton Bozen, uh, said it was a cardiac arrest. How close were we to actually losing him? I don't know. He said, we got him back after one defibrillator, uh, so that's quite fast. I'm not a cardiologist, so the details I'll leave to the experts at the hospital. Um, it was halted in the 43rd minute at Denmark and Finland. Uh, it was resumed later Saturday. Uh, Finland ended up winning one to nothing. Um, and they named Erickson star of the match. Which you know, I guess that's just a, I guess that's what you do, but uh, yeah. but man, this is this seems to happen more regularly. I don't remember this happening when I was a kid. Like this is kind of strange stuff, right? I mean, you say regularly. It I think it's happened well, to it's, two it's athletes, happened, right? Two athletes, but but very recent, and I don't ever remember this happening. Yeah, but but we just don't have how many when we were younger growing up. How many of these we would have never seen this game? Yeah, We'd have never point. seen the basketball game. Like, like we just wouldn't have seen it unless it was major, major, big time sports, national sports. It wouldn't have been televised. So everything is televised now, and yeah. so you have an opportunity to see so much more. I guarantee you, this stuff happened back when we were growing up. Guys were doing, you know, cocaine and greenies. So. You know, true. you know, smoking in the locker room. That you know, yeah. there's no doubt that they had worse heart problems than we have today. That's, that, that's true. just that. I, look, I haven't done the research on it, but I'm <laughs> I'm just gonna tell you that they had worse heart problems back then. You know, and mixed in a a, 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 a whole shitload of steroids back yeah. in the day as well. So yeah, you know, no, I'm you're, I'm you're gonna right. guarantee you that this probably happened more. Doesn't mean that it's not scary as hell. 
what's shocking now is the fact that we have so much, our healthcare is so much better, especially for the top tier athletes. They're constantly getting screened and checked and scanned and whatever. And you would think that if he had a serious heart condition, it would have gotten caught at some point in time yeah. before this happened. Because that that's what happens, right? Yeah, I mean, they, they do all kinds of physicals and everything before who is the, they who is the play? NBA player that just retired literally in the middle of the season because he had like a, a like a weird heart murmur thing, and that's the second one he's had. And he promised himself, if it ever happens again, I'm just walking away because um, it's not worth my life. Was it uh, was it Lamarcus Aldridge? Yes, that, yeah. that, that's probably it. That's probably it. I knew I knew it was a big man. Um, you know, wasn't a guard. So yeah, his heart issue. Uh, let's see, heart condition. He recently joined the Nets. Uh, said an irregular heartbeat uh, led yep. to it. Yeah, he and I get it. I get it. And I mean, he had, had. And he had, a, and he had a complication once, either during the season or in practice or something. I don't remember the first complication, but I do remember it being talked about after the fact. Yeah. And I remember he said, you know, I'm going to still try to play. I want to play. I love the game. If it ever happens again, I'm, I'm, I'm walking. I'm not dying on the court. I'm just not doing that to my family. I don't want to do that for me. And as soon as he had some ir- irregularity, I mean, he, there was no, yeah. no, I mean, he walked off the court that night. He went straight to the doctor. He got checked out and he never came back. Yep. And, and smart on him. Smart. on You remember the other guy, uh, uh, Eddie Curry had that same kind of thing. And then he, yep. he fought to come back and, and actually had a pretty good career after that. Um, but yeah, that's he was a highly, highly touted player, and you know the complications. He he just never quite lived up to the billing. But he made he had a pretty good NBA career. Like he didn't he didn't live out to be you know the next Michael Jordan or anything. But um, but who who has right? Who has? We'll uh we'll head off to some NFL. We've uh so we're doing a little bit of a shorter show today for those that uh, that do not know or you didn't read the description. Uh, we have an interview with Ivan Mazel. Uh, that's gonna tag on the very end of this uh, podcast. So we're going to go, you know, short through uh, a couple of more sports stories, and then uh, I'm going to I'm gonna hit you with some news of the weird. I haven't told you what stories we're going to hit, but I got two of them that I want you to hear about. So uh, we'll do some NFL right quick. Le'Veon Bell. Now, this story absolutely makes no sense to me. Um, Le'Veon Bell said on Instagram, he was replying to somebody, uh, to some comment on Instagram, he said that I'd never play for Andy Reid again. I would retire first. Now, he didn't specify a complaint with Andy Reid. Have you ever heard any player uh, complain about Andy Reid at all? Well, I've never heard any player. Let me drill this down a little further. Damn sure never heard of an offensive player. Drill down just a hair more further. Andy Reid might be the best running back friendly coach you could have Kyle Shanahan's probably the best, but Kyle Shanahan's been doing it a fraction of the time. Andy Reed's been doing it. So we've got a lifetime, a career for Andy Reed to show that if you're a great running back under his system, you will be all time. Great. All time. Great. And if you're a good running back, you're going to get a big payday by somebody else because I'm going to showcase you in a way in which nobody else has ever showcased you. Yeah. Uh, so so this is Le'Veon being washed and bitter and stupid. He so once he's he was never released, been, he's never been accused of being smart. No, never you, a day you're in right his about life. that. He was released from the Jets. He played sparingly for the Chiefs. He played in nine games. He started two, rushed for 254 yards and two touchdowns. 
Uh, he was not a factor for the Chiefs in the playoffs at all. Uh, even with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire out, Bell only got the ball twice in the divisional round win over the Browns. Uh, he was inactive in the AFC Championship game against the Bills. He was in uniform, but he didn't play in the Super Bowl. Um, so he's he's a free agent, hadn't signed with anybody, but man, uh, you know, it just kind of lets you know who he is. Like, Le'Veon Bell, since leaving the Steelers, and even even when he sat out because he thought that his contract was not great. Like, he he got a good deal, not a great deal from the Jets. I, didn't he get paid less with the Jets than he would have made with the Steelers? Is that Do I remember that right? Well, no, no. It, it was no, similar. No, not close. The Steelers didn't have an offer for him. So that that didn't, that's not, that didn't well, I thought the sense. Steelers offered him, but he he refused no, the offer. He he made way less money than he thought he was going to make. Like, yeah. he was demanding, I don't know, like, Seventeen million a year, twenty million a year, something like he wanted wide receiver money. Yeah, and and then they, I mean, they gave him like a fraction of that. It and I mean, it kind of seems just now, right? I mean, it's well, yeah, <laughs> he was a product of a really good offensive line and a really good offensive system. Yes, he was, and, and you know, he was really talented yes. at that time. But we've seen this with running backs when that wall hits, there's not a slow decline where you go from being a thousand yard rusher to a 700 yard rusher to a 500 yard rusher to 300. Like that, that's not how the RB game is played. The RB game is, is you could be a thousand yard rusher one year and then you could be unemployed the next. Yes, very much so. When that wall comes, it comes for you fast. And it's, it's a big reason why uh, we have said forever and yeah. a lot of the uh, smart analytics people say, do not draft a running back in the first round. Like you I'll just never don't. draft a running back in the first round, and I would never give one a second contract. Yeah. Now, I would pay a second contract if it's reasonable, but, I mean, you're going to feel insulted when I give you your second contract. Yeah, like at Derrick Henry's contract, it, while big, it was a two-year deal, and, and the entire offense is kind of built around yeah. him. Yeah. So no, yeah, and if you're gonna do it, you got to do short deals. Yeah, you got to do short-term, super short-term deals. And and there are exceptions to the rule and whatnot. Um, with Derrick Henry being about the only one, but even Christian McCaffrey, you know, his massive deal, it's. I mean, he, he didn't play eighty percent of last year, and the guy that took his place didn't put up his kind of numbers. But, but the close. offense was not the problem. No, I, he he got close. Like I mean, Christian Mike McCaffrey would not have if you're if you're using WAR as a stat. Christian McCaffrey would not have equated to another win on their record. And at the end of the day, this isn't fantasy football. You're trying to get wins, and the RB difference is not a differentiating uh, factor for wins. Also, by the way, I, I would like to go back to my Julio Jones because I've gotten a lot of shit on, from people on Julio about my attack on him, uh, and it wasn't an attack. I just thought. It was overpaid, and I gave my information why. Outside of Randy Moss, outside of the second greatest wide receiver to ever put on shoulder pads, no wide receiver has ever been traded for or signed a second contract with a new team and actually made a difference in that team's wins or losses. That's uh, that's interesting. Amari Cooper came over to the Cowboys, and it was his second year when he actually did something special. His first year, he was really good the first couple of games, and then it kind of teetered off. Like, if you look at all these wide receivers that change teams or get traded or, or, or sign as free agents or go somewhere else, those teams aren't a whole lot better or worse off than they were, even when they're big-name stars. Yeah, it's, it's not them by themselves that makes a difference. That's right. 
It's it's they were they were the great in a system and they were great and that doesn't take a once again Julio is an unbelievable talent. Yes, he is an incredible talent, but he still is not perfect. He still has flaws. Of course, and and I don't think his flaws were worth what you could have gotten with that draft pick next year. Unless you think you're playing for the Super Bowl this year, which I do not think the Titans are, then I would not have made that trade. That was my argument for the thing. You got to look at these trades as two or three year deals, and that's it. And 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 I would rather have the rookie in the second round that you're going to get next year at the wide receiver's position, because if you're trading for a wide receiver, you got to draft a wide receiver. Okay. Truth. And let's just look at next year's wide receiver second round class, and we'll see. In th- in two years of that guy's career, would you rather have them or Julio? Tying this back around, is there? Do you see Le'Veon Bell playing for anybody else going forward? Do you think he gets picked uh, uh, up? Well, yeah, he could probably pick up a job because wide receivers go down. I mean, that's a position that people go down, and they when they bring in new wide receivers, they really want to bring backs. in veterans because they know blocking schemes. They understand, um, you know, he, he's been in the league enough to where he's seen a lot of different offenses. Yeah, and, and so therefore, you know. If I was desperate for a running back because my guys all went down, I'd give him a look. I'd give him a call, obviously, but he's going to be a, 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 you know, a minimum payment guy. Yeah, I, I doubt, I doubt anybody signs him before the season. I think he, I think he's an oh, in season no. pick. I don't, I don't foresee him getting a job before the season unless somebody has some major injury problems in the off season. Yep, yep, you are correct. Uh, we will close out the sports side of this uh, UFC two sixty three. I'm not going to spend a long time on it, but. Uh, everybody that listens to this regularly knows I am a massive UFC fan, and UFC 263 was awesome. It was great. Now, Stylebender, you know, he dominated his fight against Vittori. Uh, that's great. Whatever. Um, Brandon Marino, he is the first ever Mexican champ. Uh, that's a big deal. That was a pretty good fight. He uh, he won by submission, so that's big. And um, and Bilal Muhammad beat Damian Maya. That was expected. None of my underdog hits won. Um, so I'm, you know, whatever. But the story of the night, even in defeat, was Nate Diaz. And there are very few athletes, I feel like, in UFC or anything else, where even in a loss, they do something that is so incredible that they become the story. Like, Leon Edwards pretty much dominated that fight for the entire five rounds. And in the last minute and a half, Nate Diaz came back with, his typical look, right? Blood all over his face. He he got kind of demolished. But you can't ever knock this guy out. You can't uh, submit him. You can't, you know, you have to go to decision with this guy if you're going to beat him. And he came back with a flurry, man. He caught Edwards multiple times. And I thought he was going to come back and win that fight, man. It had, I think everybody that was watching was so excited about the prospects of him knocking him out at the very last second. You remember we were sitting in uh, in Hollywood Casino down in Tunica, and you and I were watching uh, uh, Derek Lewis and God, who was the other guy? Uh, some some tall dude, and he he knocked out uh, whatever the guy's name was. Uh, not Volkanovski, maybe ah, that might have been. Uh, who, either way, he knocked out somebody. He had lost all three rounds. And he knocked this guy out with like five seconds left. I thought that's what we were going to get from Diaz. And even even with another loss, like Diaz has now lost his last two fights. One to Jorge Masvidal, uh, one to Leon Edwards, both exceptional fighters. 
I would still watch Diaz fight again. I don't care how many times he loses. He makes every fight entertaining. He doesn't go out. Like, it's unbelievable. I, I mean, would you fight or would you watch Diaz again? Well, against Yeah, a, I think Diaz is a great fighter and he's a lot of fun to watch. No doubt. No doubt. And I, he's always a challenge, man. He's always a threat to somebody. I uh, I would love to see him and Masvidal do it again, you know, because the, the doctor stopped the first one. Um I mean, there's so many different fights you could make with Diaz. Golly. So that that was a lot of fun. That was the most entertaining fight of the night uh, just because of that last minute and a half in the fifth round. It was so good. So good. All right, I got two weird stories that I want to uh, read over to you. All right? All right. First one. Michael Packard, 56 of Wellfleet, told WBZ-TV after he was released from Cape Cod Hospital that he was about 45 feet deep in the waters off Provincetown when all of a sudden I felt this huge bump and everything went dark. Now, do you know what I'm talking about? I know exactly what you're talking about. A commercial lobster diver got caught in the mouth of a humpback whale off the coast of Cape Cod Friday morning. He thought he was going to die. He got swallowed by a friggin' whale, man. What the hell is this? Have we got whales out swallowing people now? I mean, I'm going well, to the I mean, beach you're in a out month. In the ocean, baby. They're looking for food. You're looking for food, and they're looking for food. I mean, you you'd have to be pretty deep to to get swallowed by a whale. Yes. Um. There's. Yes. You know, me going to the beach. I don't think I got anything to worry about. He thought it was a shark initially, um, because it, those are apparently pretty common in those waters. Which, of course, I I would not be in those waters if if. But I the thing about a it being shark. a shark is is there's zero chance a shark's going to swallow you whole. Exactly. I mean, it'd have to be a monster shark, man. Yeah, I don't. I like, don't know if you're a grown man. Which I saw his picture. He's a grown man. He's not my size grown, but he's a he's a big dude. He, like that guy's. There's no shark that would open their mouth and get you in without biting you. No. I mean, you you would have to take. They, some, they uh, also enjoy the taste of blood. They don't want to swallow you whole. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, it says the well surfaced, shook its head, and spit him out. He was rescued by his crewmate on the surface boat. Uh, this is. This is nuts, man. Apparently, this is not common. Uh, it said humpbacks are not aggressive. Uh, Mayo thinks it was an accidental encounter while the whale was feeding on fish, likely sand lance, whatever that is. Um, I just, I could not imagine being... I'm trying to figure out why the whale spit him out. Was it a thing where, like, you, you know how, like, you as a person, a human, would take, like, too big of a bite? You'd just be like, all right. That's not right. Whatever I just put in my mouth, it, I got to get this out of here. Like, was it that? Because he can't chew up his food. Like, that's not how whales eat. Yeah, it said uh, It said that he knew that uh, the whale was trying to swallow him. Um, and he, he apparently fought inside oh, the whale's mouth. so if mouth, he was trying yeah. to fight his way out. Yeah, he was yeah. in there for like 30 or 40 seconds. And that, that, that would probably make the whale gag him up. Yeah, I, I think so. But that is, that is crazy. That is crazy, man. Jeez, uh, man. That is insane. <laughs> I saw this picture. I saw the story. That's that's insane. <laughs> All right, and and anybody that knows us knows uh, that we we both have dogs. We both talk about our dogs pretty regularly on the show, I would think. Um, did you see this? There was a dog ejected from a vehicle in an Idaho crash. Now, can you guess? That the dog was gone for two days. It was ejected from the vehicle in a crash. They found it two days later. Do you know what it was doing? No, but I'm assuming it's like looking for its owner, probably. Uh, it was herding sheep. It yeah, just picked up a job. <laughs> Listen, this is, this is like the greatest dog in the world. <laughs> it like was, I got thrown from a car. So 
Yes. Yeah, it, I didn't die. I, what was the first thing you got to do? I lost my master. Yep. I got to find food. Got to find go get a job. Do. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Uh, it, so it was out herding sheep. It's it was a uh, Australian sheepdog, and yeah, I mean it was just doing what it was supposed to do. Apparently, um, it said it's it was doing the job it was bred to do. It said uh, Linda Oswald's family and their dog Tilly were driving along Idaho State Highway 41 on Sunday. They crashed into another car, launched the dog through the rear window, and the unharmed dog uh, ran away, prompting an immediate search with at least six complete strangers who witnessed the crash and tried to help. They they all kept going out, and I mean, they, they found it two days later. Uh, it was, you know, it was a two-year-old Border Collie and Reed Healer mix. Okay, that's what it was. Uh, more than two, 3,000 people shared the post on Facebook. Um, and these people recognized the dog from the photo. And they saw the dog on their family farm south of Rathdrum on Tuesday. Like, two days later, this dog just picks up like, all right, well, let's knock it out. Like, <laughs> absolutely cracked me up, man. Animal Animals are amazing. They're always going to go back to, to, to their instincts. Okay. Like, like I have, I have a blue pit, right? Yeah. And he lives the life of luxury. Okay. He, he needs nor wants for anything. All right. But he's still a dog and he still has this, um, aggression in him. Now he has been trained. He's well-behaved. He doesn't show it towards humans at all, but, but vermin that come in our yard, Oh yeah, like we He'll get tear we up. get moles, squirrels, like birds fly into my sunroom all the time. Like he'll he'll jump up, catch them in the air. Now, because he doesn't have to fight for food, he doesn't eat them. He just kills them and plays with them. Like he just keeps their <laughs> bodies around and like slings them around. How's uh? By the way, sorry to interrupt you. Um, yeah. it, so it didn't he have ACL surgery again the other day? Yeah, like yeah. the other uh, knee or leg. Wednesday, yeah, Wednesday he had a second ACL surgery. So is he uh, he yep. healing up okay? Uh, uh, tell everybody yeah, again why he uh, why he had ACL surgery. Well, I mean, so we don't know. I mean, he had two blown ACLs. He had ACL blown in both his back legs. I have no idea how or why he did it. I just know he's a complete maniac. When he wants to go after these animals that come in our backyard, or the ones no that don't, right? Him. Like wasn't didn't he get over the fence or through the fence? No, or he something? doesn't go. He goes through the fence. So so <laughs> picture Kool Aid Man, and I'm not exaggerating. I have a wooden fence. All yeah. right. It's a well-built fence. It's not some shitty built fence. Use good, strong cedar wood, high end, back when I had money. And <laughs> and I, we, we just built this fence. And he used to, when he was younger and smaller, would, you know, you got the cross beam across the bottom, right? And you yeah. got a little bit of picket fence underneath that. He would bite the pickets and snap them off on that cross beam and then dig just enough to get his body under there. So, so he's that strong. Well, now he's gotten too big to where he can't get under the fence. Okay. Yeah. That doesn't work. So now the middle section, bottom cross beam, middle cross beam, he just Kool-Aid. I'm, I'm not exaggerating. Kool-Aid <laughs> man's straight through them. That is so ridiculous. <laughs> I have sections and I've got pictures on my phone. I have sections of two or three planks that are just smashed through. Good gracious. That no, is, no, he's he's an he's a he is an animal. He's just a monster when he wants to get after. And I know there's like raccoons that live behind my house, and and I, they just piss him off constantly. Yep. And so he just busts through Kool Aid Man. When he style gets through, he's usually bloody and scratched up, but they're all dead. There you go. Good gracious. But Good no, he's gracious. like he's always going to go back to his instincts of 
of doing what he was bred to do or what he was born to do, which is kill things. Yeah, yeah. Hunt, hunt, hunt for food. He was a hunting dog. That's what that's what pits were, you know, bred for hunting, working dogs, and and that's you know that this dog was bred to herd sheep. He just naturally gonna go do that. And he he found himself a uh, a little farm. He's gonna find sheep. sheep. He's gonna this go. Is find what I'm sheep. supposed to do. <laughs> He's going. And if to he find found a, a wolf, he'd kick that wolf's ass. This is what dogs do. It's pretty awesome. It's they really, really are. They I, really are the greatest animals. I thought it was a great story. Great. It's story. a pretty cool story. I didn't know this story, and when you told me, did I just lose you? Uh, nope, I'm still here. Uh, it, well, I think it turned off your down. Yeah, turn off your video. I didn't turn it off. So there, ah, there you go. go. I don't know how that happened. Anyway, um, <laughs> what were we saying? Shit, I had like a really good point. We were talking anyway, about dogs. Matter. We were. It doesn't matter. They're Either great. Way. I love dogs. Yes, we Let's do love on. dogs for sure. All right, we're gonna close out today's show with an interview with uh, a college football media legend. Uh, I, I got a chance to sit down and talk with Ivan Mazel. He is the first hire for Shannon Terry's brand new on3.com website. So, talk to him about that. Talk to him about the CFB 150 from a couple of years ago. He was the uh, the lead producer, the guy that created all the content for it. We talk about that a little bit. So, there's a, a lot to dive into with this. And he, uh, he gives his idea on expansion and all that wonderful stuff. So, go ahead and listen to that. And, uh, and we are going to get out of here. Go to winningcureseverything.com. Go to sbrpicks.com slash NCAAF. And uh, that is going to wrap it up for us. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. We are honored to be joined by a true college football media legend who has covered the sport for 40 years now for uh, for such media giants as Sports Illustrated, ESPN, etc. Uh, he is an FWAA Beth McGrain Award winner. Ivan Mazel, welcome to the Winning Cures Everything podcast. How are you? Good, Gary. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Now, we've got uh, much to discuss. Obviously, you have a, a new job role, a new job title, a new company, all kinds of different things that uh, that we can get into. But I do want to talk about the sport. Um, you started covering college football with the Atlanta Constitution back in 1981. So you were already covering the sport when <laughs> the whole – NCAA versus Board of Regents of the University of Oklahoma Supreme Court case went down. That was, you know, Georgia and Oklahoma sued the NCAA over the right to negotiate their own TV contracts. Uh, Since that case that was in uh, the early 80s, I think it was 83, 84, can you think of another, you know, batch of years that could have as big of an impact on college football as the most recent ones with playoff expansion talk, name image likeness, uh, you know, changing transfer rules, et cetera. Can you think of anything else that was even close? Oh, only if you go back to the beginning of the sport when they were trying to figure out what the rules should be. I mean, you know, the <laughs> the, the transition since the Supreme Court case has been profound, and the biggest is that it made a regional sport a national sport. I mean, there's still a regional component to it. You still want to win your conference. You still want to beat your closest rival, which is usually geographic. But now 
you know, the beauty of this system is that what happens in Pullman, Washington matters to people in Tallahassee, Florida. And that was never the case until uh, the, the current era of deregulation on television. Does So along with that, it, does the sport even look the same as when you first started covering it? Well, it no. I mean, not certainly not <laughs> in the sense of the athletes themselves. You know, they are bigger, stronger, faster. Uh, in terms of X's and O's, it, it it's probably you know the, the X's and O's don't change a whole lot. I mean, they change from one generation to the next, but you know you can get, you can have plenty of people now who claim that what's going on now is not all that different from the old single wing, uh, you know, when, when more of the field was used. Uh, you know, I think, of course, everything around the sport has changed dramatically. The stadiums are bigger. You know, television has expanded the audience. You know, television money has expanded everything, good and bad. And uh, so in that sense, yeah, obviously the change has been dramatic. Now, I, this kind of leads us into the big news of the week. You know, Pete Thamel over at Yahoo Sports uh, put out an article, I believe it was on uh, Tuesday, actually, about the playoff expansion. You know, it, it was very recent that we just got to four teams, uh, but I still remember before the BCS when there was no real way to match up one versus two, and now we've got four, and now they're talking about 12. Um, you know, I, I'm curious your thoughts. It's, it's a long ways from becoming official for being 12, but I'm, I'm curious whether or not this is good for the sport overall. I'm, I'm kind of torn because I remember what it was like for the regional side that, that you were just talking about. I remember how much each individual game mattered in the regular season. I wonder if it's just a, a societal shift with social media and the fact that this sport has become so national is it a good thing to to possibly move up to twelve playoff teams? Well, college football's leadership is great at either solving the problem that just happened or thinking about the problem at hand, and they're not all that good at figuring out what the solution, projecting what the solution will mean. You know, and, and the the problem they have right now is that in a four team playoff, we've you know we have a pool of about six schools that just change position every year in, in the among the four seeds, and that's not been good for the sport uh, in terms of interest across the country. Uh, it has diminished. You know, we went from having what well, you know I think ten or twelve. FBS conferences to okay now it's five power five and five group of five and now even within the power five there is a widening gap uh, you know among the five of them so they're trying to fix that and I guess if you go to 12 and you guarantee conferences uh, spots then maybe that interest will uh, will ratchet back up on the West Coast, you know, where the Pac-12 has been struggling and, and has fallen behind in television money. 
That's, I you do know, the wonder. issue then becomes, you know, what happens to the, you know, what happens to the other seven spots? How many do you yep. guarantee the group of five? And, and uh, I think the bigger issue to what you're talking about is, okay, if you expand the playoff to where you have three rounds uh, instead of, well, it really would be four rounds, wouldn't it? It's four rounds instead of two. And we are, and we are going to maintain that we're concerned about the welfare of the players. Uh, you know, uh, how do you have a twelve-game schedule? You know, and uh, you know that that's a difficult problem to fix unless you're willing to give back some money from the gate. You know, uh, you know that you get from having that many home games. You know. Uh, so it's difficult to figure out, and you know, I'm not sure that there's an answer. There's no answer that's going to please everybody. I'm sure of that. Oh, absolutely. That's that's the way college football has always been, right? <laughs> and yeah. not everybody's yeah, always going to be happy. Absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> so I do think about it though, in in terms of, you know, it the regular season started to kind of be diminished, even leading back to uh, Roy Kramer and the conference championship games, even before the BCS was a thing when you would have, you know, an undefeated Alabama under Gene Stallings facing off against a, you know, a three-loss Florida in an SEC championship game. It, typical years in the past prior to that, you would have had the undefeated team be the champion and whatnot. Now, we do appreciate these conference championship games and what they bring to the sport. It's another revenue stream, et cetera. Uh, but it, it it does make me think about maybe I'm just holding on to too much of the past, um, which, again, we're going to segue from that. I want to hear about the CFB 150. Uh, now, you helped create two 11-part series, the American Game and the Greatest. Uh, there was another eight-part series on the SEC Network that was Saturdays in the South. You wrote and hosted the Down and Distance podcast, which uh, for anybody that is curious about the history of the sport, uh, you kind of need to consume all of those if you have not. Uh, that is no, at 30-plus hours of content that is still streaming today. It's still being showed today. Uh, that was done for the 2019 season. I want to know, how did the planning go for that? Because it was so many details in these stories. I This could not have been something that just popped up, you know, uh, it's summer of 2018. Hey, we probably need to start prepping for this. <laughs> you you had to be looking into this for a while, right? What what all went into it? Well, both uh, John Dahl, who's the executive producer of all the, the video content and is a a long-time uh, filmmaker at ESPN. Both John Dahl and I sort of stumbled onto the uh, the uh, upcoming 150th anniversary of the sport, uh, exclusive of one another. And then in, I think, about 2014, 2013, 2014, somewhere in there, and we both sort of began to if at least in our heads, think about how to do it. And then we found one another in the company uh, early in 2016. And John uh, had a, enlisted Rob Temple in, in sales for ESPN. And the three of us just started planning it with the uh, tacit approval of the brass and got it to the point where we made a presentation to the the executives at ESPN and they gave us a green light and, and a budget. And so then we were off. That's I, I am 
so intrigued by the idea of creating at 30 hours of television content. I just, I, I'm amazed that you were able to do it. It's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm enthralled with it. I watched every episode. It was, it was absolutely appointment television for me. And, uh, and my wife thanks you for getting me out of her hair for 30 plus hours. <laughs> <laughs> and um, then when the pandemic hit, they, they, you know, Oh yeah. The, the it, network continues to, the, the one was running the other night. So I got a text from a buddy of mine the other night <laughs> that, that one of the shows was on. It just continues on and on. I, I do want to, uh, as we kind of segue towards the end of this uh, little conversation, I do want you to tell me about uh, you being the first hire for the new site on 3.com. It's, it's being built by Shannon Terry, who founded and built Rivals and 247 Sports, among others. Uh, after so many years of covering the game, what intrigued you about jumping into kind of a new upstart? Well, I- you know, ESPN did not renew my contract uh, in February, and I had a few months where I wrote some freelance pieces and, and looked around, and I and you know, weighed in my mind that I want to just sort of go do my own thing, maybe write a book, uh, you know, just do some freelance pieces, and and I finally decided I wanted to be relevant and stay relevant, and and. Shannon and uh, his team approached me and had been talking to me all along over the weeks and months once, uh, you know, once ESPN made its decision, <coughs> excuse me. And, uh, and the more we talked, the more I became intrigued with them. And, you know, their, their track record is very good in creating successful websites in and out of college sports. Uh, but what they want to do, which is uh, cover recruiting and cover the sport itself and, and attempt to cover and explain the passion of the sport and the spectacle and why it matters so much. Well, that's really, that's exactly what I've tried to do. You know, my whole career is, you know, explain and, and illustrate why it's so important to people. And so you know, we were already going in the same direction and, and they've got a good track record and, and I've got a good track record. So we just decided to, to bet on one another and, and here we are. And it, it just made sense that, uh, that definitely works. Now you, you brought up uh, a book. I read somewhere that, uh, that you have got a book coming out in October, uh, called I keep trying yes. to catch his eye. Can you tell us a bit about it, where people can find it, you know, where it's going to be released, et cetera. Well, I'd be delighted to. It, it, it's uh, publication date is October 26th. It's being published by Hachette. Uh, the book is about my relationship with our son, Max, who uh, ended his life six years ago when he was 21. And I, I really wanted to, you know, it, Gary, put a shine a light on on our relationship and how he died and and my grief and how I learned to live with my grief and and the, uh, the best way I I learned to handle it was realizing that the depth of my grief was so deep because it matched the depth of my love for Max. And once that 
crystallized in my, that idea crystallized in my head. It really made it more tenable for me to, to get through each day, which is, as you, you know, as everybody knows who, who grieves, that's, uh, that's the hardest part. So, uh, I really wrote the book to try to be a, a explain grief and so that if this happens to someone grieving a child, so that if it happens to a reader or a reader who knows someone that it happened to, they'll be able to better handle it and, and help somebody uh, deal with it. Several years ago, you did a piece with the Helensky family and, uh, and you're still yeah. working with their foundation, right? Or, or are they working with, your, how, how exactly does that work? Explain that for me. Well, I did a piece on uh, Mark and Kim Helensky as, as uh, his son Tyler ended his life. And, of course, Tyler was a quarterback at Washington State. And they, Mark and Kim have done tremendous work with their foundation. Helensky's hope to promote uh, mental health solutions for student-athletes. Uh, and so, you know, it's, a, it's probably a little blurring of the journalism lines, but, you know, anytime I can help them, I do it. You know, I, I, I've written a piece about their youngest son, Ryan. I've written a couple of pieces about Ryan being at South Carolina. He's now transferred to Northwestern. Uh, he'll be a, a junior quarterback for the Cats. Uh, so, uh, you know, they're doing great work, and I, I really uh, I recommend what they're doing to everybody who, who cares about college football. Well, Ivan, we do appreciate your time today. I'm going to go ahead and let you get out of here. Um, but everybody, of course, make sure and follow him on Twitter. You can find him at Ivan underscore Mazel. You can find the link in the description of the podcast, of course. And you can read him at on3.com starting in, what, is it August? Yeah, we're going to go live in August. And uh, I neglected to mention that there's a, uh, you know, the, the book is uh, can be pre-ordered already on Amazon and Barnes and Noble or by your independent bookseller or however you read books. It, it's available. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, hopefully, we can catch up again this fall once the season gets rolling. Thank you, Gary. I enjoyed it. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for checking out Winning Cures Everything. If you want to keep up with us, hit subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. Visit the website at winningcureseverything.com or you can like us on Facebook or follow us at Winning Cures, at GaryWCE, or at Chris B. Giannini on Twitter. Share out the show, leave a nice review, and make sure to comment and tweet at us. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.